What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting and one-and-done preview for this week's Open Championship. We're going to spend some time going through the outright market, maybe how that's going to dictate the top 10, top 20 market. We'll go through a couple of head-to-head matchups and see if we can find a good option for your one-and-done, because I imagine this could be your last chance for glory in a one-and-done type situation. Uh, if you need more content, there is some already out on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, but also three live chats coming this week. 3 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. That is the Open Championship live chat, whatever you want to talk about. 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. That's the Jock Market Power Hour, all things stock market DFS, giving away money, cash, jock bucks, technically, in that uh, video as well. And then also the Cut Sweat Show is currently scheduled. Let me get this right. Currently scheduled for 2 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, subject to change. Get the notifications when I go live. Make sure you're subscribed, all that good stuff, because uh, I'm going to try to time it at the most valuable, important time for that cut line to be determined. So don't miss out on that. But for now, let's jump into some bets and let's talk some one and done. All right, all the tools that you see are available on my website, rickrungood.com. This is the tournament predictor tool. This is where I've simulated the outcome of the Open Championship 1,000 times. I've taken those results. I've compared them to the odds uh, via the odds makers. I used to say in Las Vegas, but someone corrected me and said, you know, the odds don't really come from Las Vegas. They come from somewhere, somewhere. So um, now I just say the odds makers. Let's take a look at this. My simulation results... Shouldn't be that much of a surprise. John Rahm won at 11.7% of the time. Pretty significant gap compared to the next guy's winning margin, which was Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth, both at around 7%. Rory McIlroy, 7.3%. Jordan Spieth, 7.0%. There are a couple of things that I think we have to really consider here. Uh, John Rahm, is he bettable at this price? The the odds that I've put in here are eight to one. You can actually shop this. I've seen him seven and a half. I've seen him nine to one, but all relatively pretty close. Um, I'm not sure you can bet this as an outright number. I think I would prefer to play him uh, in, in, a, in a DFS setting. I would prefer to take him in some type of pool setting. The odds of this are just they're, they're just not great. Let's let's be real. Um, and for him to, yeah, he's certainly the favorite, but to for him to beat out, what, 90 of the top 100 players in the world, just something absolutely crazy at an event that I think is much more volatile, right? Which is why we're going to go through some guys in the 50, 60, 80, 100 to one range, because this is kind of a wonky event. You know, the idea that, There are all these little tiny margins out there at Royal St. George's uh, where they can add up quickly against you or they can add up quickly in your favor. I think it it allows for some chaos, and I think we're going to be embracing that a little bit further down the board. Um, My gut uh, says Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka are the two my two favorites to win this event, or at least maybe my favorite place, uh, considering the fact that uh, you have to take their odds into consideration. Jordan Spieth over at William Hill, he's 20 to one. That's the best number on him. If you go to rickrungood.com slash bets, you can see if there are free bets or free offerings for your state or for your book of choice. There usually are, and the offerings are pretty sizable. So check that out. But Jordan Spieth, 20 to one, uh, a course uh, like Royal St. George's or really 
really any Open Championship, Roto requires creativity. It requires a strong short game. That is exactly uh, what Jordan Spieth can kind of summon with his magic. So uh, he at 22-1, I think takes a hit because we haven't seen him since the U.S. Open, in which he played okay. But there was kind of this fever pitch for Jordan Spieth the last couple of months that has really died down, and I'm not sure why. I don't think it should have. If you look at, uh, if you go to the Holy Grail on rickrungood.com and you run just straight up strokes gained since the start of 2021, it's not John Rahm who's been the best player on the planet. It's Jordan Spieth. And at 20 to 1, at sometimes, you know, almost three times the odds of John Rahm, that is where I would better, better allocate my resources. Uh, the other one is, is Brooks Kepka. He won my simulation 4.8% of the time. And this is tough. This is where you have to remember the model. You know, it loves volatility, but Brooks, you know, is getting uh, at times um, incorrectly uh, maybe assessed because he was playing hurt. Right. You know, when he played the Masters, he looked horrible. The knee was horrible. He's still kind of rounding into shape there. So he's he's a bit more volatile than some of these other guys. But I think if most if you'd ask most people how good is Brooks Kepka's game right now, they'd probably tell you it's not very good. And I think that's wrong. You know, three top five finishes in his last four starts, two of them are major championships. You know, I have access to the world feed and I was able to watch him on Monday during the practice rounds. And my goodness, I mean, I just thought he looked locked in. Maybe that's a silly narrative, and maybe a lot of guys look that way. I just really liked the vibe around Brooks Kepka. Now, this is one, a lot of these you really have to shop. I'll pull up the grid here for you in a second. But, you know, Brooks, um, I'm seeing about 16 to 1 at William Hill. That's about right. At DraftKings, BetMGM might be 14 to 1. Um, you might be able to snag an 18 somewhere, but maybe not in the States. Depends on where you're at. So somewhere between 16 to 18, one, I think that's really fair. Kind of the most interesting situation is, is Bryson DeChambeau this week. And we've got to talk about this. I'm actually going to pull up the grid at odds checker, which is, I'm going to be uh, creating some content for them uh, later in the week with, with Jeff Feinberg. But the, I, I like the way that they grid this out because you can kind of see the best prices all across the board. And, and the sentiment on Bryson DeChambeau could not be different. William Hill has a 14 to one on him. Points bet has him at 16 to one. There are other books, including DraftKings, that have him at 33 to one. It's not normal to see this type of discrepancy at the top of the board. And the crazy part is, I kind of get all of these numbers. You know, the idea of what Bryson could do to an open championship and just destroy it. Yeah, I could see him being 14 to 1. Or the fact that just being a little bit off gets you in a lot of trouble for Bryson um, and, and he could miss the cut. Like, yeah, I could see that or I could see him being 33. So it's kind of an interesting case. I think where I lean on on Bryson is um, I want access to Bryson in the highest, highest volatile situations. Uh, I don't want to play him in, in head-to-head matchups. I, I probably don't want to play him in fantasy DFS unless... Um, that is for a like very high upside millionaire maker. He's 5% owned type of situation. I I would not play him in a, in a double up. Um, I probably wouldn't even play him in like a single entry, anything like that. So, uh, but, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind betting him outright at 33 to one. That's kind of where I stand. The, the exposure that I'm going to get on Bryson will be the highest volatile, exposure that I can get. It's probably going to end up holding a 33 to one ticket. And 
if I play a lot of lineups in the millionaire maker and it looks like he's going to be 5% owned, getting him that way. He's not going to be a staple in my lineups. He is not going to be in any of my head-to-head matchups, and I'm certainly not going to bet him at 14 to 1. I'm going to do my homework, and I'm going to find the right situations to deploy him, which I think is a really good um, thought exercise for all of the golfers that you're considering in a single week. You know, there are uh, many different numbers. Uh, there are many different ways to deploy all of these guys, some better than others, and knowing which ways to kind of use them, I think is, is seriously half the battle. When you start getting to that next level, um, I, I'm I'm very strong on Victor Hovland. And again, you gotta be aware of these numbers. William Hill has a 40 to one. That's what I bet. Uh, there are 22 to ones out there. I'm not going to bet that, despite the fact that I really like Victor Hovland. You can see the gains for him. He is now. I think I covered this on the DFS preview, so I'll be quick here. He is now a zero around the green. That's great by his own standards. You can see he's improving um, seemingly all the time with the putter. And then from tee to green, he's he's excellent. He's a great ball striker. His approach game, all that good stuff. Um, the idea that his two wins are our coastal courses, right? It's, it's Puerto Rico. It's Mayacoba. That's obviously where the comparisons, uh, and just the wind on those courses compared to what we're going to see at Royal St. George's. But then you get, you know, a guy who added another European tour victory just two weeks ago. I, I just really love the way this kid's trending. I think he's an X factor. He lacks that open championship experience that I would really like to see. He won 1.8% of my simulations. I I have already fired a bet on Victor Hovland. And then you start to get into the part of the board where, you know, it's tough to fire an outright. It's tough to fire a, a top five, a top 10, a top 20. So I like getting opportunities on these golfers um, where they just need to outperform their expectation. So jock market is what I'm referring to. It's stock market DFS, essentially based on the price that you pay per share. Uh, you know, the golfer really just has to outperform that. So there's a couple of guys I want to talk more in depth about and a couple of guys that I'm probably going to avoid just to beat their own expectation. Another way to get access to profits, to get money back in your pocket. The first buy-low candidate for me is Brandon Grace, whose win earlier this year came at the Puerto Rico Open, which is certainly a place where wind can become a factor. And then you look at his recent form and realize that he finished fourth at the Memorial, seventh at the U.S. Open. He has plenty of great Open Championship history, and you start to think, this is the type of guy that I can get behind, but I don't want to take him to finish inside the top 10 or finish inside the top 20. I'm looking to target Brandon Grace at $4.50 cents a share, which is only asking him to finish 38th or better to break even. As he continues to climb the ladder, I'll make more and more per share. And I think that is a really good way to deploy grace in this situation. The other buy-low candidate is Harris English, who is fresh off his victory at the Travelers Championship. The start before that, he finished third at the U.S. Open. And the start before that, he finished 14th at the Palmetto. And we are starting to see signs of Harris English revert back to the 2020 version of himself, which was very, very good. And his style of play being consistent and good in all four-strokes gain categories provides a really solid all-around baseline for a course that is going to be as demanding 
standing as Royal St. George's. And even with all of that being said, he's just not a very popular golfer. And when you look at the other players in his price range, I imagine he goes a bit overlooked. I'm willing to spend $6.50 a share on Harris English, which is asking him to finish inside the top 25 to return me a profit. I think that is certainly something he can do with even more upside if he wants to go out and finish inside the top five, top 10, hey, maybe win the golf tournament. And my sell-high candidates are just two golfers that I think are going to get this artificial European bump. Number one, Lee Westwood. You know, since his back-to-back runner-up finishes earlier this year, the game hasn't really been as sharp, but he has everything pointing in his direction in terms of the narrative and the history and everybody wanting Lee Westwood to succeed this week. And that sentiment is probably going to drive his share price up more than I'm willing to pay. I'm only willing to pay $4 a share for Lee Westwood, which is asking to finish 42nd or better. I think he is going to breach that price. So for me, he's unlikely to make my portfolio. And then Sergio Garcia, I'm actually a hair more bullish on Sergio than I am on Lee Westwood because of his ability to ball strike, but the putting continues to be a significant concern, and the fact that it is Sergio Garcia at an Open Championship, the ability to uh, flight his ball in the wind, I just think more people are going to uh, be buyers on Sergio than they should be. I'm just still worried that even uh, you know the upside when the putter turns around is not high enough. So my target price for Sergio Garcia is $5 a share. That's what I'm willing to pay. I expect him to go for more than that, but if he does go for $5 a share, I would be asking him to finish 34th or better to return me a profit. We'll see on Wednesday evening if I actually do end up getting shares on Sergio. If you have not joined Jock Market yet, we are going to give away $100 in Jock Bucks on that Power Hour Wednesday evening. And then also you can use the code RICK for a $50 deposit bonus. So there is plenty of free money that can be allocated to free shares of golfers that you can eventually turn into more money over the course of the week. Cool stuff. Join uh, Joe Idonia and myself, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday for the Jock Market Power Hour. We'll take you through the IPO, the end of it, where you can actually bid on those golfers. In addition to Grace and English, you know, Joaquin Neiman has my full attention. Uh, basically, across the board, he is 66 to 1. And if you just start looking at, you know, some of the advanced metrics here and some of the things that he is able to do, very long off the tee, very good with the putter, um, has the tendency of playing himself out of the event around the green. That is my trouble uh, spot this week. I'm worried about that, but uh, putting on bent, that's his best surface. It it, kind of reminds me a lot of Royal Melbourne for the president's cup. I think there's a lot of things to like. Obviously not everything's going to be perfect on a guy who's 66 or 70 to one across the board. And then I'm probably wrapping my card around a lot of these guys in the, um, let's call it like 100, 80 to 100 range. Alex Noren certainly in that range. He's been playing uh, phenomenally. I'm actually stoked about the missed cut at the John Deere because it kind of keeps everything in check, ownership and uh, his his price. But piling up, up top 25 finishes, just missed out on a playoff at the Rocket Mortgage. He's played well at the Open Championship and he's kind of this short game specialist, which of all places, I guess I don't really care about. That's It would, it would be here. Um, so for me, Noren presents an opportunity at... 80 or 90, somewhere in there, but also a top 10 bet I think is certainly viable for Noren if you're not asking him to win the golf tournament. And then Lucas Herbert is just, um, you know, to me, 
anybody who can get themselves in the winner's circle, which he has done twice on the European Tour in his last 23 starts. The most recent was just two starts ago. Played well at the Scottish Open, has played well in his last two starts on the PGA Tour, top 20s in both of those. That's that's really where I'm going to be uh, firing some of these longer shot bets. And then it would be very small sprinkles for me after that. I I mean, I, I probably won't go much deeper than 100, 110, depending on what the number that I can get. I want to embrace, I want to embrace that volatility at the bottom, but within, within reason, right? Um, maybe not find a 500 or a 350 to one guy kind of embrace the 50 to 100 range. I think, um, in a big way this week. Okay. So let's talk about some head to head matchups. This is the head to head matchup tool on rickrungood.com. You can choose any two golfers against, each other and choose the time frame and see the likelihood of one of them beating the other in a four round matchup. One of these jumps off the, the board at me, uh, uh, Jordan Spieth versus Scotty Scheffler. I really like Scotty Scheffler. I really do. I imagine this is going to be a pretty significant gap here. It is. All right. So I, I, I went since the start of 2021. Now I kind of rigged that in Spieth's favor because I know that's been a really good time frame for him. Nobody's been better. So I have him winning, but that's what I would have done anyway, right? If you guys watch the show week in and week out, I usually start with January 1st, 2021 is the time frame. Uh, I have Spieth winning this 63% of the time, which doesn't sound like a lot and it's not, but that's pretty big when you start looking at matchups. He's minus 170 in my model. DraftKings has him at minus 143. So he is a big favorite, but I'm not actually sure it's big enough. If we start to shorten the time frame, I wonder if we can get Scotty to be a little bit better here. If we go, what about April 1st? Nope, still actually nudges towards... Spieth even harder. May 1st, that gets it back a little bit closer, but we're only talking a handful of starts for each one of these guys. Um, and Spieth is still the favorite, not enough to bet, but anything over two months, Spieth a pretty significant favorite here. Minus 143 to Scotty Scheffler's plus 110. That was the first bet uh, that really caught my attention. This one I find really interesting. Shane Lowry, massive favorite over Stuart Sink. Lowry's minus 150. Sink is plus 115. Lowry is a bigger favorite over Sink than Spieth is over Scheffler. Is that right? I don't know. We're going to find out here. So uh, I, this is just, to me, this reeks of, and, and Lowry's been good, and he's been very good on approach as well. Yeah. This, to me, reeks of the, op- the defending open champion getting a bump. He's been good. Don't get me wrong. But this just reeks of... The European bump, the defending champ bump, all that good stuff. Since the start of 2021, I have Stuart Sink the tiniest of favorites, 50.5%. Now, keep in mind, he's a dog, plus 115 on DraftKings. Um, If we open this up a little bit more, because Sink's other victory was in the fall, right? Let's see. If I open this up to the start of September, still about the same. Still about just a tiny bit of a coin flip in favor of Stuart Sink. If we go more recently, it holds its line pretty well. Sink actually, yeah, it holds its line pretty well. Sink, a small, small favorite in most scenarios. He's a dog on DraftKings plus 115. It's not a huge discrepancy, but it's one that I think is certainly look atable. You should look at it. And then this one, you know, Abraham answer minus 120 over Cam Smith. There's a chance that answer just blows Smith out of the water in this one because outside of the U S open in which did anybody really think answer was going to be all that good? Um, answer has been phenomenal and Smith has kind of fallen off since the victory at the 
Zurich. Wow. Okay. So Cam Smith still a 53% favorite. If you do since the start of 2021, what if we do since like April 1st? Yeah, that's when it starts to go to answer. This is going to be shorter term answer, longer term, a small nod for Smith, really short term, significant in the form, in the way of answer. He's minus 120. Maybe that's a no bet. I think we found bets with the other ones. I think we found a Stuart Sink plus money bet. I think we found a Jordan Spieth minus 143 bet. I don't, I don't think we have to force this one. I think we can just avoid it. And you can go to rickrungood.com and plug in any two golfers that you would like. The run good one and done. These guys are, we are running on fumes because we started at the beginning of the season uh, back in September. So this is uh, like the sixth major championship that we've had. We are coming down the home stretch. Caster Joshua still number one. Graybo number two. Nash the Flash three. Jared Hebby four. And Chappy Chaps number five. That is who is vying for it. Now, I think in general... Major championships in one and done are supposed to be easy, right? You're supposed to have kind of have an idea of the types of guys that you would save for this. Uh, And you might have been saving golfers. So normally I think this is pretty straightforward. And the idea of... um, the only, the only thing that could change that would be your positioning, right? So we are certainly in the home stretch. I know a lot of one and dones end this week because I've already gotten a bunch of messages um, where, you know, you have to play game theory. I can't remember exactly the situation, but somebody sent me a message and said, hey, I'm in second. The guy ahead of me hasn't used, I forget who, Dustin Johnson. I still have him available. Um, I want to use Xander, but he still has him available. Like you have to play a little bit of game theory here, right? You know, you should probably play Dustin Johnson. I know it's not the greatest play, but if you're trying to win and you're trying to pass somebody, the surefire way to do that is to make sure that the person in front of you doesn't even have access to them. And then you use that guy. Um, because there's no point in taking the same golfer and just being stuck in whatever position that you're in. So keep that in mind, know your position and maybe play your position. So if you're, if you've saved golfers, you've probably saved names like Rory McIlroy. You've probably saved names. You could have saved John Rahm for this, although most people probably deployed him at Torrey Pines. You could have saved, uh, oh boy. I mean, Spieth would have been a great save for this, right? Um, if you haven't burned him through that time where he was where he was super scorching. So you might have somebody saved. If you don't have somebody saved, Victor Hovland, you've probably already used. I would love to roll him out. So we probably have to go a little bit further down the board. I do think that... Um, Terrell Hatton is an option that you probably haven't saved, right? Or you haven't saved uh, and you and you might not have used yet. Um, he is an absolute flusher with the irons. He is uh, a, a great links player when the course gets tough. Uh, he gets he gets going. I also wouldn't mind. So let's see here. Um, there are like Joaquin Neiman. Have you used Joaquin Neiman yet? Is that a guy? Could you have saved? Ooh, okay, like Harris English might not be bad, right? Because English outside of his, he won immediately and then you probably didn't use him for a while and then he kind of went through a rough patch and then he finally just won again. Like Harris English has a game that is all around really solid and I think that comes in handy at an open championship. Like, do you have Harris English available? If you do, maybe that's an option, but you might have to go pretty far down the board to start finding some value. A lot of the names that I mentioned uh, for for outrights are certainly going to be viable options. The one name that I didn't, that I do think is somewhat interesting, has to be Tony Finau. Uh, for the first time in a long time at a major championship, uh, most people are probably not excited to play 
Tony Finau. He's coming off two missed cuts in a row. They weren't pretty. If you're willing to think that he can get back into form in the last couple of weeks, his Open Championship record's phenomenal. You know, he has the best average finish of any golfer who has played here in this field who has played two or more times. Uh, He's played here four times. I think his worst result is like a T27 or a T29, something like that. So this is a really sneaky option, I think. And um, I might be deploying Hunky Tony in in some spots where I'm either trying to make up ground or I'm running out of of golfers uh, because you do have to also start considering your you know, your playoff situation. Are you gonna have enough golfers left for the playoffs and things like that? So this to me, I think Finau is the, um, the sneakiest guy. And I think it's, it's certainly viable. Let me know where you're at. Let me know what your situation is. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. You can leave a comment below. Lots of great content coming this week. Uh, I hope to see you for all of it. Best of luck. And I'll talk to you soon.